Our focus must be riveted on the Savior and His gospel. It is mentally rigorous to strive to look unto Him in every thought. But when we do, our doubts and fears flee. When we draw His power into our lives, both He and we will rejoice. Kia ora everyone and welcome to the Doubt Not, Fear Not podcast. My name is Sandra Halfano, and today I will be hosting a podcast with my sister Lorraine Karaitiana. We're very blessed and grateful to be able to host this podcast. But today our topic will be focused on our experiences that we've had on our mission and also adjusting to coming home early from a mission. But before we begin, I would like to introduce ourselves. So I'll pass the time over to Lorraine first and then I'll introduce myself. Hello everyone, it's Lorraine here. It's been 10 years this year since I've served my mission and I served in the Oraneta Philippines mission back in 2013. Since then I've been married in the temple and have two beautiful children. Just recently I've completed my degree in chemical engineering and have started a position full-time as a water engineer. So I'm a full-time worker, mama and everything in between. I am like Lorraine as well. So Lorraine and I both served in the same mission and I've been back for close to 10 years now. I've been married in the temple to Pasi Halfano and we've been married now for almost seven years. We have three beautiful children. My main line of work is entrepreneurship so my husband and I run a few businesses in regards to marketing, sales and then we also have an education business as well. And then I have a side hustle with my mum doing executive training and consulting, which I absolutely love as well. And most of those things started after coming home from my mission. So to start off our kōrero today, I think it would be nice to just share a little bit about how we got to serving a mission. Both Lorraine and I, of course, are sisters, so we were brought up in the gospel. My mum was a convert to the church, and my dad was born into the church, left for a little while, and then came back when my mum joined the church. Yeah, and I think growing up for us, missionary work was very much part of our kaupapa as a family. We had missionaries always in our home, and then also mum and dad connecting through friends, and even our siblings, eh, really, and bringing in people, and then being able to witness that process of baptism. I had wonderful parents who helped nurse me through that. Um, but missionary work was incredibly important, I think, for us as a family. We were quite focused on the day. Yeah, it was a good upbringing or introduction to missionary work. But I think for the both of us, serving a mission wasn't necessarily always at the focus or forefront as we entered into YSA. So for me, it wasn't something that I intended to do. Uh, yeah, because what was your story in terms of knowing that you should serve a mission? Oh, yeah, so we had a stake mission camp so anyone that was interested in serving a mission went to this camp I wasn't interested but <laughs> so why did you go to the camp <laughs> I wasn't interested but I went because at the time I was in YSA I was the leader for YSA so I went to be a good example but I had such an awesome experience there that from then I decided to prepare and go on a mission and just around that time, that was when the announcement that they'd lowered the age for both sisters and elders. 
to go on a mission. Right. So it all just aligned quite well. Yeah. yeah. And so when was that? Because that's actually quite important for when I applied and then received my call. Late 2012, eh? Yeah, late 2012. So when Sandra had left, there was quite a big gap in my life. And I didn't know what to do. Now, nah, seriously, though, because like, we're so close, right? Yeah. And so we were literally stuck to each other, companions, everything that we did. And I remember applying for second semester uni. And actually, honestly, I felt quite lonely. <laughs> Without, uh, you weren't the reason why I served the mission, but I was just going through this point. Nana had just passed away. Yeah, you know, I was getting sick. There's all these sorts of things, and it was just a point in my life where I didn't feel like I was moving in any direction. Anyway, I remember going to the temple. I'd been thinking about a mission. I was like, oh, maybe just have a mission. And that might sort me out. And I remember going to the temple with that intention of asking whether I should go on a mission or not. And I remember sitting in the celestial room and I opened up the scriptures. And I stumbled upon a scripture. I can't actually remember what it was. But essentially, what the Spirit was telling me at that time was like, honestly, Leray, just decide. It's a yes or a no. It's really just up to you. So whether you want to go on a mission, go on a mission. If you don't, that's fine as well. So I wasn't one of those ones where it like struck me. It was one of those things where I was like, oh, actually, it's my decision. And if I want to go, I should go. Yeah. But really interesting because you had been in the mission already eight months. I think it was eight, nine months. And I remember telling you I've submitted my papers. And I was at home on my lonesome. <laughs> and my mission call came in the letterbox. And it was on a Monday, because I remember it was just about time to email you. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to open this up. I know nobody's here, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm just going to open and have a nosy. I read it, and it was in the Udineta mission. And I was like, oh, okay, Philippines. Cool, we're going to be in the same country. And that was when I messaged you and was like, this is the mission I'm going to. And then you came back, right? I was in the Udineta mission. So at the time when I got called... On my mission, it was the Baguio mission, but soon after, they had to split the mission. So I was either going to end up in Baguio mission or Uraneta mission, and I happened to be in an area that put me in Uraneta mission. So, so yeah. just before that split, I got called to that mission, and then I swear it was a week later, right, it got split and was like, we're in the same mission, what the heck? So that was massive, and I, I really just wanted to share that moment too, because that was my divine confirmation I guess you could say or a tender mercy in my mind anyway to let me know that anything happened from that point was in his hands I didn't know what was going to unfold and I've had some really massive both traumatic and really good <laughs> events in the mission and I didn't know that it was going to unfold like that but that was my divine point where I was like okay I trust you and whatever's going to happen is going to happen because I know that in this moment, it all came together and I'm meant to be here right now in this moment. So fast forward to actually being on the mission, because we did get the chance to see each other on the first day that you were there. We were in the same zone. You um, were so Got cute to stay in the same house. And that was really cool for me. I'd gone through the training centre and literally the first day, yeah. I walk in to a zone meeting and you were there. <laughs> and again, it was one of those moments where it was like, this is divine. I'm not going to deny it. I'm meant to be here at this point and I'm meant to see my sister. Yeah, they're not Quite... really heard of for siblings to be on missions together. Anyway, we're out on the mission and I keep having these both spiritual and physical experiences. 
Okay, so really intense spiritual and physical experiences. And I didn't get sick just once. I probably got sick a few times. <laughs> I am laughing because the reason is there's one golden rule when you get onto the mission yeah. in the Philippines. And that rule is you are not allowed to eat anything off the street for like three months, I think it was. Yeah, your first two transfers. Our mission yeah. president was like, you're not meant to eat anything off the street. And so what did Sister Renata do? Not listen <laughs> and ate things off the street. It's so funny because at my first mission president interview like he's up he's real serious eh? and he's like sister what's been keeping you up at night and I was like president if I was being honest the food's been keeping me up at night <laughs> and he's so hard but he cracked a smile and then he was like now sister Renata I told you you're not meant to eat anything within the first two chances anyway that was my first experience of my mission president so good lesson there's to be obedient to mission president but on the second hand too I got sick for one of those reasons quite sick because we were in the same same zone yeah. every time we're at the chapel for district meetings every week we'd see each other we'd have these moments where you'd be like bro what happened this day and i'd be like man i got super sick or well, i had this experience and you'd put your arm around me and maybe cry sometimes depending i cried a lot actually i'm not a cryer but i cried a lot you were there in those moments too which i really appreciated <laughs> Actually, I should backtrack a little bit because in MTC, I fainted. I have a condition where I faint. I've got really low blood pressure that can trigger it off, you name it, heat, getting up too fast, literally anything. It could make me faint. Anyway, I passed out in the MTC because you go from air conditioning to 30 degree, 100% humidity. And uh, just one of those days, I just flaked out, stepped outside and boom, on the floor. And... I don't know what happened, but I got carried to my room, whatnot, and all that happened. MTC mission president called me to his office, and when I went into his office, he said, Sister Renata, typically when we have missionaries who have a condition, when you faint, in our handbook it says that you are meant to be sent home. So I'm just going through, he was talking to the 70 at the time, I think it was Elder Arden. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm talking to Alda Arden and we're just sorting out to see what we do with you. Anyway, get kicked out. <laughs> and I'm like really sad because I'm like, I might have to go home. So I email everyone at home. I'm like, Mum, I actually might have to come home because if you faint, you can't be on the mission sort of thing. And it was so cool because everybody at home, like siblings, family, they opened up a fast. And at the end of that fast, a few days later, I got called back into the MTC Mission President's office and he was like, Sister Renata, we've had strong impressions by the Spirit to let you stay on a mission and for you to go out into the field. And again, ding, ding, another divine moment for me. It was like, if the Spirit said this, again, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm meant to be where I am meant to be. So another divine confirmation there. So back into the mission, you're unwell, things aren't going too well. So the time when I did get super sick, I actually didn't know what it was, and I remember being in a little fuddy because I had to stay home. I was completely delirious and in so much pain. I didn't know what was going on. I was so incredibly sick. But a few days later, I got over the peak of the fevers and the, the vomit, you name it. I had it. And that was when you saw me when I'd lost a couple of 10 kgs. A few days after that, we went out on exchanges, and I went to family home evening and passed out again. And this time I passed out for 50 minutes, unresponsive for 50 minutes. Again, I don't know how I got to where I was when I woke up, but 
I woke up back at Northern Flats and that event was the turning point for initiating the process to come home. So at that point you were on the mission for six months. Yeah. So how was that? It didn't really hit me until I went into President's office and he was like, Sister Renata, we have to send you home. And that didn't even compute to me at the time. I was like, oh yeah, yes president, oh sweet as, but it never computed. And then it wasn't until like 10 minutes later that I was like, oh, I'm going home. And there was no, there was nothing. There was no regret or like anger. It was just complete and utter sadness. I didn't feel disappointed in myself or anything like that. Because at that moment he was like, the spirit, we know we've deliberated on this. The spirit's told us that you need to go home. So again, another divine moment. I was like, oh, okay, the Lord is directing this. It's incredibly hard, but I can accept that and be at peace with it. Mm. Because that doesn't mean to say I was so sad. I think that's one of the beauties of, and one of the biggest lessons you learn on your mission is learning to understand how the Spirit speaks. Harder. And how important it is to be obedient to those promptings as well. So to have all of those spiritual important experiences up until this point, just shows how much Heavenly Father was really a part of the whole process, the whole mission process. I think coming home as well is, regardless of whether you served six months or the 18 months that I did, having those feelings of like completion and knowing that you did your best, I think is something really important. I think when I, because I felt sad too coming home from my mission when you do. Yeah, You've dedicated yourself to the Lord for so long and been able to focus on him 100% in everything that you do. So in a sense, I was upset, but I remember in my last area, that was my last week, we were focused on sprinting to the end. But I had a similar experience in the fact that Heavenly Father confirmed to me that it was time to go home. And I felt peace as well, because I knew that, yeah, I'd done my best and it was time now to continue on with all the other things that he wanted for me to complete and, and do. So, yeah, I it's like, really important yeah. to have kind of that closure yeah. as well. And knowing too, like you said, whether you come home early or you complete your mission, at the end of the day, it's really your service to the Lord. It's not service to people and to serve, or service to what people might think of you. At the end of the day, It's really between you and the Lord. And so in a sense, if nobody can give you that, he can. Mm. That kind of sense of completion and peace. And personal journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's your personal discipleship. And on that point too, we probably should have disclosed this at the beginning. We are sharing our experiences. And like everyone's experience is not the same. So your experience things that are completely different to other people. Just like mine is completely unique to me. And so yeah, it's very much your own personal journey. Yeah. So coming home from our missions, how was your return from the mission? How were you received? I think I was incredibly blessed to have a family that prepared for me to come home. So they knew that I was coming home sick. My sister flew from New Zealand to Perth, so I flew home to Perth. But my sister flew all the way from New Zealand to Perth to be there with me for that week, for that first week off my mission. So in terms of being received home, <laughs> I was definitely loved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely loved. But I'm not going to lie. It was so hard. And I think I was so consumed by being sick, because I was super sick, that I didn't actually have time to worry about anything else. As soon as I hit the ground, I was at doctors. 
I was at specialist appointments getting scans, you name it. So I want to say for me to wind down and for me to hit home to say that I was actually home, it took about a month to three months because I didn't, I wasn't, I couldn't go to church for the first three months that nobody saw me. I was comatized. It took a good three months for me to be like, oh, I'm home. And that was actually before I saw anyone either. And I personally feel like perhaps maybe the Lord gave me that as a grace period. Personally for myself, there's so much divinity in that three months of being home because it was certain doctors that I met were able to diagnose me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they weren't by chance, like I just didn't stumble upon them. We had really in tune people from the ward. People I'd never met before but were literally coming on via promptings of the spirit and giving me things that I needed for those moments. So one gave me like, it wasn't a protein powder, but it was a supplement to help me with eating because I wasn't eating. Just so divine in that timing. I mentioned to you the other day, my auntie was like, oh, we need a massage table to do midi midi on you, to do massage. Can you pray for that? So I remember praying for that, just silently, because I couldn't kneel, literally could do nothing, but I'd be in bed praying silently for these things. And literally two days later, a massage table will turn up. Do you know what I mean? So I shouldn't downplay that three month period of not seeing anyone, not being in contact, but there was literally orchestrated by the Lord to fill the needs that I had mm-hmm. during really precious moments. So yeah, I definitely can't deny his hand in that as well. Do you know what I mean? I think just going back to what you were saying before that everyone does have different experiences, whether they've come home early or managed to complete their full time on their mission. What are some of the things that you learned from just that initial experience? You said that there was divinity, holy divinity in the whole process, but what are some other things that you've learned along the way? I don't want to be cliche, but it really is captured in the words of this podcast, Doubting Not and Fearing Not. You know, during that time, it really was an opportunity for me to work on my relationship with the Lord and communicate with Him, to really fine-tune my ears, eyes to the Spirit. And it was just faith-building, because there was actually things that I couldn't do without, you know, the added strength. And then being humble enough to recognize that it's okay to have help. I think that's another thing, like it really humbled me because I don't know if this was like it for you, bro, but when you, not because I don't see you like this, but before I got to the mission, I was like, oh, I'm so intelligent, super athlete. Nah, nah you were like <laughs> Nah, never been like that. <laughs> don't know what that is. Nah, but I like reflected back prior to my mission, I was quite cocky. I was like, I'm smart, I'm spiritual. Yeah, I've got a lot of things going for me. But when I got into the mission, I was really brought to my knees before the Lord really humbled me. Did you have that moment where you were like, holy mackerel, you had an Enos or an Alma or an Amulek moment where you were just like, I am nothing in the eyes. Oh, nothing? Yeah. Did you have that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah I think, but mine, Did you have it in the mission, mine wasn't or? a blast. It was like a little mini blast throughout the <laughs> Mine was like ultimate like realizations. <laughs> yeah. But that's also what's very awesome about serving a mission is that just like you've said, there's people that you feel like you learn from yes and the people even the people that you teach or the people that reject you <laughs> still teach you lesson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and i think it's amazing that heavenly father can send his children to a different country and allow them to learn different lessons from different people but also in that same sense it also shows his love for his children there in that country that he would send someone 
from halfway across the world to come and teach that specific person. Or even just be there for that moment. Yeah, be there for yeah. person. And that's one thing that I learned from my mission is that Heavenly Father puts people in your lives at different times for particular purposes. And sometimes you don't understand the full impact or the full circle of what he's wanting. But I found that even after my mission, 10 years down the track, I'm still looking back on experiences and understanding that oh, this is what you taught me at that time, or mm. if I'm looking through my journal entries and stuff, and I think to myself, oh, I remember that. I'm still learning about that. So I think that gives you perspective in a lot of ways. And I think to talk to that too, like you've got to remember where right now, for us, we're in a position where we are looking back 10 years ago. Mm. So my mindset, and through all the experiences that I've experienced, are very different on my lens of my mission now than it was at the time. Like you said, in full circle, I'm still learning or harnessing those skills that I've learned in the mission mm. 10 years from now. It's really hard actually for me to reflect and be like, oh, how did I feel? Then because I'm in this position now where I'm like, oh, that was just so divine. I don't actually know if I saw it then though in the mm. moment because so many things were happening. I think that's a key point too. Hindsight's a great thing. You know, sometimes you just need time. Again, it's been 10 years for me and I can pick out every single divine thing, but I can't say that in those moments that I recognize them. Mm. And the message there is to be hopeful. You will be able to reflect on this and look at it as an experience and as a moment. You're not going to be stuck. Not that there is a label, but the label of being coming home early from a mission. It's going to be an experience or a moment in your eternity that you'll be able to reflect upon. So it might be hard at the moment, but honestly, be kind to yourself and give yourself time. Because yeah. it took me two years, or even three years, with a kick up the butt from you <laughs> to sort myself out physically spiritually, mentally, to get back on my feet. So I think there's an element of kindness that you do need to give yourself. Because 10 years down the track, it would be like, oh, wow, the Lord brought me to where I am today through that. I think just hearing from your experiences and that, it sounds, you're right, hindsight's a great thing. Things can look a lot lovelier when you look back. But for those that may be struggling to get past that, or even if you've, and this applies to whether you've served the full mission or had to come home, what would you say to them? Those that are struggling? Yeah, <clears throat> still struggling a bit. I thought of something. I thought yes. of something. <laughs> One of the things that I did when I came home was that I was determined and had heard so much about ruts that return missionaries can get into. You come back, you're on the spiritual high, and then you feel like you can't maintain that spiritual high. One of the things that I told myself is that's not true, is that you can maintain that level of spirituality. It just takes a little bit more effort and sacrifice because you've got all of these other things now that you have to deal with. One of the other things that I did was keep busy. It's proven that, and even in the scriptures, but also scientifically, that when you focus on yourself, if you only think about yourself, it's harder to get yourself out of ruts. So I did my best to serve. And I also, the next day, because I asked my brother at that time, he was working at a factory, and I asked him if I could work for a few weeks. So literally I was home from my mission and had a job straight away. I didn't care what it was. Mm. But it was not allowing myself to 
fall into any trap. Because Satan is like, okay, let's oh, go. He'll jump on you. He's always like that, but he does it. Obviously, the next progression is eternal marriage. So he'll do anything he can to prevent you from that, then from having an eternal family to even being happy. So those are the things that I did. And also, I think it's a lot easier said than done too, around being positive, positivity, seeing the cup half full. That really does take you places. I think on the flip side of that too, actually, the more that I think about it, it wasn't all rosy for me coming back. There Mm -hmm. were moments of severe disappointment. What am I missing out on? What could I have done? There's all those questions. There'd be people that would be like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'd be like, hey, what exactly are you sorry for? I had one negative experience where a return missionary and his arrogance said to me, you came home early, what did you? What do you know? So there were still moments of a little bit of self-doubt. Could I have done more? But yeah, I'm not perfect, so I definitely had those feelings. And again, reflecting back, if I could go back, I would say to myself, it's okay, it's actually okay to feel that. It's actually okay to feel in general. You don't have to suppress emotions. If you're angry, it's an emotion, that's all good. As long as you're not taking it out on others. <laughs> but like, if you're angry, it's okay to be angry. If you want to cry, man, if you feel disappointed, like I wouldn't suppress those emotions. I'd actually, with those emotions, try and access the atonement in a way that it could comfort me. Just don't suppress emotions, because I actually remember doing that a lot. I'd cry by myself a lot, literally, because I'd be lying there and just cry. Because I was like, dang, being sick is a whole nother level too, because you physically cannot. There's another element to the mental and spirituality that you have to maintain. So yeah, I'd say don't suppress emotions. Allow yourself to feel. Be kind to yourself. And access the grace of the atonement. Even if that's through repentance of, I was angry, but I know through you, I won't be. So... I'm not saying it's okay to be in a rut because it's very dangerous. And I did reach that point actually a couple of years after where I was just like, I was present, but I wasn't present. So yeah, those warnings because of spirit. There was heaps of times actually when the adversary was like, I can get you here, I can get you here, I can get you here. And like you said, it's about putting those safeguards in. There's safeguards in to protect yourself. But yeah, allow yourself to feel. And then I think, I look back and I think about all the people that helped me and something that I could have done better for them was actually just communicate because then I probably could have got a little bit more help faster. I could have been to whoever was around me, which at that time were my nieces and nephews and my mum and dad. My mum and dad did absolutely everything in their beings to support and help me during that time. I think one thing that I could have given back to them was just a little bit of communication. And being humble enough to be open about that. Hey mum, this return missionary said this to me and it made me feel like I wasn't good enough. Or, hey dad, the adversary is on me and is trying to get me. Can I have a blessing? And communicating. So allowing yourself to feel those emotions and being honest and open about them. And communicating with others will not only help you, but it will help others. It's so kind, you know, and so considerate of others who are actually trying to help you. I think you've given a lot of good points and insights into your journey. It was a huge blessing to be able to serve with you, even in that short period of time. It was really nice, and I think if it, everything else went to custard on our mission, at least you know, <laughs> we, we got to see each other in a different country. <laughs> and also uh, food. At least I got to go to the Salt Lake uh, MTC <laughs> yeah. and have a good time. But, yeah, yeah, you know, 
Heavenly Father, let us to learn even more than that and experience those other things. Maybe just to round out the podcast, maybe final pieces of advice or even just what are you looking forward to this year? That was that happened almost eight, ten years ago now. You're in, entering into a new phase of life. What is there to look forward to on the other side of those big challenges? If I can identify some of the tools that I have now because of that experience, mm. they would be trusting in the Saviour and His divine plan for me as a person. The next one would be sometimes you don't know what's going to happen, and it's really important to have faith. And following the promptings of the Spirit that come to you. The second thing would be endurance. And I think I got a taste of that about enduring to the end. The amount of social, mental and health issues that I went through that were all encompassing at the time. I really only got through that with the strength of the Saviour and accessing the power of the atonement consistently to endure. So those would be my three tools that I carry with me now to go forward or have been through marriage, <laughs> through study, <laughs> through work, you name it. Those are the tools that I have needed to navigate very different spheres of life. I can reflect back and have those tools in my toolkit. And so yeah, I have heaps to look forward to. I'm actually an engineer, <laughs> and that's cool to say. It was a lot of hard work to get there. Looking forward to establishing healthy habits this year, financially, health-wise, spiritually, mentally, you name it. So there's a lot of things to look forward to. I just want to bear my testimony that I do know that the Saviour lives and loves us. I do know that this church is true. And I'm grateful for the experiences that I've had in my life to be the person that I am today because of that. I'm incredibly grateful for people like Joseph Smith who didn't have it easy as well. It wasn't a bunch of roses for them. And I'm grateful for the restoration through him and his experience and his example to help carry some of that load as well. I'm grateful for things like living day prophets and scriptures who provide us with the words to navigate life and appreciate those tools as well. Again, grateful to be on this podcast and share my experiences. I know sometimes when you come home from a mission early, you try not to isolate yourself. There's definitely a lot of people who the Lord will send to you to help you navigate the space that you're in at the moment. I can testify of that. I love talking about my mission. I love everything about my mission. I love the challenges that the mission brought me, but also the lessons that I learned. I would like to share my testimony too, that I know Jesus Christ is our saviour and redeemer, and that through faith in him, we can experience miracles in our lives that will change us and shape us to the people that the Saviour needs us to be. And I know that through faithful service and just focusing on living the plan of salvation and relying on the Lord constantly throughout the highs and the lows of life help us to see ourselves and our divine destiny and also the divine destiny of others and I know that we will be able to see him again that's my testimony and just grateful to be able to share some of our insights today on the podcast thank you everyone for joining the doubt not fear not podcast today 
and we shall talk soon. Doubt Not, Fear Not podcast series has been produced out of the Auckland Institute building with contributions from young adults across New Zealand. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend to direct others to this podcast or listen to other episodes in this series or to enroll in the Institute class associated with the podcast. See our website at doubtnotfearnot.podbean.com. This recording is not an official publication of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The views expressed are those of the participants and are neither the official doctrine nor the official teachings of the church.